Today on Blue 58, the Packers play an actual football game in just a few days. What do we actually know about this team? Let's find out. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. We're going to have actual football to talk about on the next episode. Uh, We're talking previews, we're talking about stuff like that, Uh, but for right now we're going to talk about the Green Bay Packers. First, before we dive into that, a couple reminders that I want to send your way. Do not forget about our Pick'em League. Our public Pick'em League is available to anybody who wants to try to win uh, some valuable prizes. You can pick winners each and every week, and uh, whoever is the smartest among us is going to win win a couple prizes. We're giving away stuff for first, second, and third. We have details available. Well, I guess I I said details in the last episode, so I'll say I'm here too. Uh, First prize gets a t-shirt and sticker package from the Power Sweep. Second prize gets just the t-shirt. Third prize gets just the stickers. We're also doing uh, something with our Discord server that is a little bit more robust. We're doing confidence picks there too. Uh, So you can rate your picks by your level of confidence and win potentially even more valuable prizes if you prove that your confidence was well-placed. Top prize there gets a shirt, some stickers, and a Packers jersey. Second prize, shirt and stickers. Third prize, just the shirt. Uh, So if you'd like to do that, join our Discord server. Uh, To do that, you have to be a member of our PowerSweep Patreon. Patreon.com slash ThePowerSweep gets you in there with any amount of contribution per month. Uh, We would love to have you. So do that, join our Discord server, and potentially get on your way to winning some valuable prizes. Secondly, I just wanted to remind everybody of the release schedule in season here, when you can expect podcasts to be coming your way. The only set, like, absolute diehard time is Wednesday morning, the midweek pods are coming out. Preview podcasts are going to go out as soon as I'm done recording, which is going to be sometime during the day on Thursday or Thursday evening. It depends kind of how my life is going on that particular day. The recap pods will go up as soon as I'm done recording after games. So they're intended to be consumed on Monday mornings. Functionally, they'll go out sometime late Wednesday or late Sunday night or very early Monday morning. So Look for pods in your feed, essentially Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but potentially as early as Sunday night, Wednesday, and then Thursday night. Sound good? Good. So, the Green Bay Packers. I thought it made sense, since we're going to be previewing the Minnesota Vikings in our next episode, to talk about the Packers themselves as sort of an entire team today. Because I feel every year, like we really don't know anything about a given team until about week four or five or so. It takes a little time to settle into a team's identity. It takes time for that team to settle into their identity. And I feel like that's going to be extra true this season. The offense is going to look different. The defense should look a little bit different. A couple people are gone. A couple new arrivals, especially Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt. Uh, Jaron Reed playing a big role in theory, Rashawn Gary taking another step, and the special teams should just be different than they were last year too. Hopefully, I mean, it's not any worse than last year. It's hard to imagine situations where it could be worse. I would just prefer to not imagine situations where it could be worse because you never know. Be careful what you wish for, you just might get it. The point is though that there's a lot that we don't know right now, but there's a lot that we think we know. So before we preview the Vikings, Let's talk about what we think we know about the Green Bay Packers. Let's start on offense, and on offense, we start with the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. 
We've seen a lot of Jordan Love over the last month. We haven't seen Aaron Rodgers since January. And the last we saw of Aaron Rodgers, he was launching a pass on third and eight, high into the night sky, headed for Devontae Adams. And it fell incomplete. And now Devontae Adams is in Las Vegas, and Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay for another season. Looking at where he's shaping up to be in 2022, I can't really think of a reason that he wouldn't be just as good as he's always been. He was strong start to finish last year. The The ending wasn't great, but that's not necessarily an indictment of his play overall in the season. I thought he was good. Voters thought he was good because they gave him another, another MVP. That's four now. Rodgers should be good in 2022. What I'm interested in is seeing how, quote-unquote, Aaron Rodgers, this offense actually looks. Because I don't know if we've really seen this much turnover at wide receiver in a given season. Turnover may not even be the right word for it. Things are different. There are some key parts that are the same. Just a bunch of new faces, I should say. New faces that could end up playing pretty key roles. A couple of seasons where we've seen similar stuff come to mind. Not quite to this extent, but similar. In 2013, the Packers had injuries to Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson. That affected Aaron Rodgers that season. Those two missed a combined 20 games that year. In 2015, you had an injury to Jordy Nelson. You had Devontae Adams in his second year. Wasn't as effective as what we've come to know and love. It was a, it was a down year for the receiving core. This year is in the same vein as those, but probably more extreme. Devontae Adams is gone. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is gone. Equinemius St. Brown is gone. In their place, you've got Sammy Watkins, Christian Watson, and Romeo Dubs. Now, that's not necessarily a bad receiving core. We just don't know how they're going to interact with Aaron Rodgers yet because we haven't seen it. Best case scenario, Rodgers has a diverse cast of characters to whom he can throw the ball. A lot of different options. Worst case scenario... He ends up just throwing a whole bunch to Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, and we're back in 2015, and things aren't pretty. But uh, Aaron Rodgers, I feel like we can say pretty confidently that he's going to be good in 2022. Running back is kind of in the same boat. Next to quarterback, it is probably the most known commodity right now. You've got Aaron Jones. You've got A.J. Dillon. They're good. They're really good. But beyond that, the Packers really just have some options that are varying levels of intriguing. Your mileage may vary. But it doesn't really matter because, as we've seen in the past, you can step in as a running back and have a reasonable amount of success if you are just a a very good athlete, if the the coaches find the right role for you. And if it comes to that, that's really what all it's going to be for the Packers' third string and beyond running backs. And it really doesn't matter at that point anyway. We know what we've got at the top. Beyond that, it doesn't really matter. As you turn to tight end, if you're talking about things you know, We're starting to get into position groups on offense where we really don't know, or maybe more accurately in this position group's case, what we know isn't all that interesting or isn't all that great. Tight end has a lot of question marks. Your most known commodity is Mercedes Lewis, who is somewhere between 36 and 87 years old. He might have been one of the founding members of the Green Bay Packers as far as we know maybe just off camera in that famous picture of the 1919 Packers. He is what he is. I mean, you know exactly what you're going to get with Mercedes Lewis. What you're going to get is good run blocking 
and if you leave them wide open, they'll make you pay. That's about it as far as known commodities. Robert Tunyon is a guy you'd like to think you know, but really isn't, because he's on his way back from an ACL injury, and it just it's a work in progress. We don't really know even what he's going to be doing or available for here early in the season. Everything seems to be pointed in the right direction, but there's a difference between playing in practice and playing in games, and we're going to find out very quickly what his playing in games contribution level actually is. As far as everything else, you've got Josiah DeGuara and Tyler, uh, Tyler Davis, and I'm not really sure what to make of either of those guys in terms of the grand scheme of the Packers. In terms of what we know, I don't think they fall into really the, the known category because I still think Josiah DeGuara is a useful piece. I'm really not sure what that piece looks like on this year's team, especially if the Packers are trying to play Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon together a lot. And I'm less convinced that he's a piece that you should be throwing big resources or playing time at anyway. Tyler Davis is what he is. You may love him. You may hate him. He's going to be around at least for a little while. Wide receiver is unique in that I feel like we know the individual parts of this unit fairly well. Even the rookies, I feel like you've got a pretty good idea what they are. The interesting thing is here is that we have no idea what it adds up to together. You put all of these disparate pieces together. What does it make for a wide receiver room? I don't think we really know the answer to that. And it's going to be a while before we know. It might be all season long before we really know where the Packers stand at wide receiver. So seeing how those pieces fit together is going to be a big learning process for us on top of what it is for the Packers too. And I think right now that's actually okay. It's probably okay at tight end, too, to not really know what you have. But at wide receiver, I think you can just try a bunch of different things over the course of a long season and still get by. It might be a little bit rough at times, not knowing exactly what the role is. I think it's going to be a little bit like heading down the stretch, actually, in in an NBA season. In, like, post-All-Star game, things change a little bit for NBA teams. The teams that are contenders in particular are trying to spend some time figuring out, okay, what are our best two or three lineups? Because when we get into the playoffs, we're not going to be playing our ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th guy on the bench. Our bench is going to be eight, maybe nine guys deep. So how do we combine those eight or nine guys into the best unit? In a receiving room, you've got far less than eight or nine guys. You've probably got, well, in the Packers case, you've got eight receivers, seven receivers, whatever it is. How do you put those guys out on the field on the field in a way that makes sense, one, for your offense, and two, with their skill sets individually? It takes some time to figure that out. But that's okay at receiver because you can still work through that process. It's far less okay on the offensive line. And right now, I feel like all we've got is questions. I didn't really mention it. I guess I didn't mention it at all among the receivers because I didn't think it was that important to spend a whole ton of time on. We don't know if Alan Lazard is going to play this weekend. We also don't know if David Bakhtiari is going to play this weekend as of this recording, 9.21 p.m. on, on Tuesday night. It, it's not clear if he's going to play. He says he's on track to play, but what that actually means in reality, well, that remains to be seen. This group goes from, I'm pretty concerned, to this might be the best offensive line in the league pretty quickly depending on who's out there. If David Bakhtiari is back to being David Bakhtiari, 
he's instantly one of the two or three best tackles in the league, if not the best. I'm not hoping for that. I think that's a bar that is far too high for him, considering where he's been the last couple of years. Elton Jenkins, if he's out there, another big step towards being an elite offensive line. John Runyon Jr., very, very solid on the left side. Josh Myers, of course, uh, when healthy, very solid. Right guard is a question mark, but the Packers have enough options that you feel like they can probably fill out that role pretty well. However, as we've talked about all along, you start removing one piece and then two pieces. All of a sudden, you're having to make cascading changes to fill in those holes. And that's when it gets tricky. And that's when it could get really concerning. Even if David Bakhtiari is ready for week one, I think you can still have some pretty significant questions. How's he going to hold up when he gets out on the field? And what does he look like when he gets out on the field? We don't know the answers to either of those things yet. And it's going to take some time to figure that out. We're also trying to figure out who starts at right guard and right tackle. If it's Elton Jenkins, good, fair enough. But if not Jenkins, is it... Jake Hansen at right guard and Royce Newman at right tackle. The Packers' unofficial depth chart doesn't say so, but who knows how much that's worth. Uh, Is it Royce Newman at right guard and Zach Tom at right tackle? Or is it flip-flopped? Zach Tom at right guard and Royce Newman at right tackle. Is it something else entirely? Is it Adam Stanovich coming up with something truly weird and wild? Who knows? And it's going to be a work in progress figuring this out over the first few weeks of the season. Before we flip over to defense, I've got a question I want to take here. FMP330 asks in our Discord server, uh, in soccer they have the, air quotes, starting 11, the best 11 players that make the optimum team. What is the Packers starting 11 on offense and defense, and who have the potential to get a role as the season goes on to shake everything up? Now, you've got a couple different ways you can look at this. You can look at the Packers' best 11. You can look at their optimum 11, what is really optimizing their offense as opposed to their 11 most talented players. And what's a realistic 11? The best 11, I think, starts with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. I think you probably have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon out there together. You probably have Alan Lazard and Sammy Watkins as your receivers. And you have Robert Tunyon as your lone tight end. Your offensive line, if you've got all your options on the field, I would line it up like this, left to right. David Bakhtiari, John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, Elton Jenkins, and Zach Tom. Or if you really want to get particular, flip-flop Jenkins and Tom. Tom at, uh, at tackle, Jenkins at guard. It really, I don't think, makes a difference. I think that is your best five right now. Your optimum 11, same offensive line. Aaron Rodgers, A.J. Dillon, I think might give you some some more interesting looks than um, than Aaron Jones in this particular situation. Uh, because you don't have Mercedes Lewis out there, I'm going with Robert Tunyon instead. And then your receivers are Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, and Romeo Dubs. I think that's your your optimum 11 right now. If you're trying to move the ball uh, with the run and the pass, you've got your four best pass catchers out there uh, while still getting some blocking from Tunyon. And A.J. Dillon out there instead of Aaron Jones because he can bring his own blocker too. He doesn't need quite the same support that Jones might. The most realistic 11 right now, I think, again, Aaron Jones at quarterback, or Aaron, Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, Aaron Jones at running back, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, and Sammy Watkins as your top three receivers. They're going to soak up a bunch of snaps in, early in the season, just start to get used to that idea. Mercedes Lewis at tight end, 
and then the same offensive line as before. I think that's probably what we're looking at as the best and most realistic 11. The most realistic version of putting your best 11 on the field. How about we put it that way? As far as growing roles, I think there are three really obvious names, and it's so obvious that it, you probably don't even need to spend all that much time on it, but it's going to be Zach Tom, Romeo Dubs, and Christian Watson. Tom, I think, is going to start multiple games this year. I think it's going to be similar to what Elton Jenkins did as a rookie. You've got that year Lane, uh, Lane Taylor out there on, on offense to start, and Elton Jenkins just sort of sprinkles in, and then ultimately Taylor got hurt, and Jenkins took over then. But um, Tom should be on the field. I think he's he's too athletic to keep off the field. He's too solid as an option. He's too flexible. He gives the Packers too many options. You might as well have him out there. At, at receiver, Dubs and Watson are going to start slow. They should be regular contributors in the offense by season's end. If they aren't, something has gone wrong. Or maybe something has gone very well. Uh, Sammy Watkins is healthy the entire season. Rome, uh, Randall Cobb discovers the fountain of youth, turns back the clock to 2014, and Alan Lazard just takes over as the, the blocking, receiving monster that we always have known that he can be. And it's just like three 1,500-yard seasons from those three guys, and they don't even need the rookies. Not super realistic, but we'll see. Before we switch over to defense, how about some Patreon shout-outs? Uh, first, I want to shout-out John, John Adair, Thomas E. Hearn, and Jason Person, each of them great uh, Patreon supporters for some time now. And then I want to give one more shout-out to our Pick'em Leagues. Now, we did talk about the, the public league that you can join you can also join a private league just for Patreon supporters and Discord users. That is the, the best way to, uh, to win the biggest and best prizes that we've gotten. There's a little bit of an extra challenge to that one as well. So head to patreon.com slash thepowersweep if you want to get involved with that. That will help you get on board and support the Power Sweep and Blue 58 while you do it. Sound good? Good. Now on defense, I think things are a little bit more simple than on offense. So we don't have to dive super deep on what we think we know about the defense. But I think I think it is still worth discussing. Starting with the defensive line, I don't think there's any reason to think Kenny Clark won't still be Kenny Clark. I expect him to play a little bit more outside again this season uh, as he's kind of been trending the last couple of years. And that is going to afford him more opportunities to get one-on-ones and... Um, cause havoc in opposing backfields, which is in keeping with how Joe Barry wants to run his defense. A lot of single gap penetration type stuff. Jaron Reed, I think, is going to get the first crack at being his sidekick when they're in two de- two down lineman sets. Uh, Dean Lowry comes on after that. That's a pretty solid top three. And there are some interesting prospects beyond that. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, obviously, TJ Slayton, um, taking a step in his second year, and then semi-mystery man Jonathan Ford, what is he going to be on this team? And then don't forget, you've got Jack Heflin and Chris Slayton on the practice squad as well. On the edge, we know that Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith are good and are, are going to be good and solid and dependable. That's just how they do things. And especially if Preston Smith is more 2021 than 2020, then the Packers really have something there with their top two edge rushers. But beyond that, it's the exact flip side of, of what we're trying to get at here. It's it's not so much we know as what we don't know. We don't know first and foremost, and this is a positive one, how good Rashawn Gary can be. I think it's going to be really, really good, but we don't know for sure. I don't think we've seen his ceiling yet. We also don't know the extent to which anybody else will step up or even can step up. I like J.J. Enigbari. It's asking a lot for him to be the third edge rusher in his rookie season, um, this year. And finally, 
who, if anybody, would the Packers even want to add? If they're trying to add outside talent, if they're looking at a veteran edge rusher, who would they even bring in? We don't know the answer to that just yet. Linebacker might be the most simple position on defense. It's the best group we've seen in a long time. It's Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker, and then beyond that, the rest is gravy, but the gravy's pretty good. You've got uh, Chris Barnes, and you've got Isaiah McDuffie. Uh, I like McDuffie better than Summers. I think he gives you the same special teams value as Summers, but also a little bit of juice on defense too. And then you've got um, Chris Barnes, who is not actively making your defense worse. Win, 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 win. Uh, That's five wins. We only need four there for linebacker, but... Really nothing to complain about at, at linebacker. The only thing we don't really know is is what exactly Quay Walker's role is going to look like. And that'll be a fun one to watch play out early in the season. At cornerback, I feel like the, 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 the current narrative is that we know two things. First, we know that the Packers have three really good corners in Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, and Rasul Douglas. And then the second thing I think a lot of people would say that we know is that Beyond those three, things get really scary. I would push back on that second thing a little bit. Sure, it is scary if the Packers lose a couple corners and have to start out start trotting out Shamar Jean Charles or Jean Charles, depending on which pronunciation he's going with at the time, and Keyshawn Nixon. That's not great. But I don't think there's really a lot of teams in the league that if you ask them, they would be super honest and, and say about their, their fourth cornerback, oh, yeah. We really love him. He's doing great. He's awesome. We feel just fine having him as one of our starters. We've got four, heck, five, heck, six guys that we feel great about. They just wouldn't say that because it's not true. Nobody is is putting out pro bowlers and all pros at cornerbacks four, five, and six. The depth is an issue, but it's not an issue that is unusual in the NFL. There is a drop-off after your first three corners, usually after your first two corners, and pretty frequently after just your first corner. It's not that big a problem that the Packers don't have air quotes depth at corner. Safety. If you're looking at question marks on defense, things that we don't know, a lot of them I think are centered on safety. It may be the biggest question mark on defense right now because you've got Adrian Amos, who is as steady a player and as known a commodity as you get can get. But you've got Darnell Savage next to him, and he is volatile to a fault, often in good ways, often in bad ways. Then beyond that, who knows? You've got Dallin Levitt, a career special teamer who cameos at best on defense. You've got Micah Abernathy on the practice squad, but capable, it seems, of getting to the 53. But will he be on the 53? You've got Rudy Ford, who comes over from Jacksonville to be another gunner. And then you've got Tariq Carpenter, who's a still a linebacker-safety kind of hybrid. Does he even have a role on this defense? Probably not. At least not if they had any other option. So, I think right now you're just saying, we know that we've got two pretty good safeties. One really solid safety, one guy who's got potential to go just about any way you can imagine. And then beyond that, you're crossing your fingers. To return from our question from above, the best 11 on defense, I'd go like this. Uh, Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry, down linemen up front. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, your edge rushers. Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker at linebacker. Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, and Rasul Douglas at corner. And then Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage at safety. Easy peasy. 
not too hard to figure out who the top 11 players in the Packers defense are. I think Jaron Reed will end up ahead of Dean Lowry on the depth chart. I think Lowry has more value uh, than Reed. Just to finish it out, on special teams, um, I have the same questions I think about Mason Crosby that everyone else does. And I think that is fair because if you feel like you know what to expect from Mason Crosby, I would be surprised um, if anybody is like really confident in, in how they feel about him going into 2022. Supposedly, he is healthy. Supposedly. I mean, it was supposed to be a six-week recovery window. He is on track for that, apparently. But you never really know. And he hasn't spent any time working with Jack Coco and Pat O'Donnell in training camp. We're heading into week one functionally with a new kicker, holder, long snapper operation. Suboptimal, I think even in the best-case scenario. At punter, no real concerns or questions about Pat O'Donnell. He's been basically the same guy since he came into the league. Consistent, consistent, consistent. hes I don't think there's big reason to expect him not to be consistent in Green Bay. And at long snapper, we know that Jack Coco has the job, and we know that there are two important words to attach to his job status in Green Bay. For now. Jack Coco has the Packers' long snapper, long snapper job for now. The Packers will no doubt have a quick hook. They've done it before, and I don't think they'll hesitate to do it again because Brian Kudekunst has been trying to get this figured out all offseason long, all his tenure really in Green Bay, dating back to drafting Hunter Bradley. It's been a problem, and it's going to be it's going to continue to be considered a problem until the Packers can confirm by just having a good long snapper out there that it is no longer a problem. We're not there yet. Whether or not we get there is going to be a story for the early part of this Packers season. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I would also appreciate it if you would go ahead and share this with someone you think would enjoy it. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.